Hey there, all you beautiful souls and seekers of serenity. It's your band leader, Horace Morris, and I'm here to guide you into a realm of relaxation from the heart of the Merkle Treehouse. Today, on this blissful Wednesday, October 18th, 2023, we have a special gift for you. In this fast-paced world, we all carry the weight of the day on our shoulders. But right here, right now, I want you to let it all go. Release the worries and the cares, my friends. For the next 15 minutes, you are in a sanctuary of tranquility. The Merkle Treehouse is here to provide the entertainment, the grooves, and the soothing soundness that will cradle your soul. So, relax, let go, and surrender to the freedom that will wash over you. And now, it's time to pass the torch to the luminary, the guardian of soundness, the groovy chick who's gonna keep the vibe alive, the incredible, the unbelievable, Ms. Audrey Merkel. Thank you, Horace. And of course, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for sharing your precious time with us today. Life is good, and we're excited to dive into Chapter 6 of Pinto Pete's Block Size War. But before we get to that, let's stay in the know with the latest updates from the SBF trial. A startling revelation emerged as Nishad Singh, the top engineer at FTX, testified. His accounts unveiled the staggering scale of Sam Bankman-Fried's expenditures, a whopping $1.3 billion funneled into a surreal world of celebrities and sponsorships. The founder of the now-defunct crypto exchange spared no expense, indulging in extravagant real estate, high-risk venture investments, generous campaign donations, and high-profile celebrity endorsements. Singh, burdened by mounting concerns, frequently implored Bankman-Fried to reconsider the company's extravagant spending. In candid admissions to the court, he recounted feeling embarrassed and ashamed by the reckless financial choices. The unmistakable odor of excessive opulence and showmanship pervaded the very core of the operation. Challenging Singh's testimony, SBF's lawyer made the case that the investments made by the now-bankrupt cryptocurrency exchange were neither reckless nor frivolous. Sammy Nash is standing by with a report on an attention-grabbing request the defense made over the weekend. Sammy, what's the scoop? Ladies and gentlemen, step right up to the legal circus of the century, where the star of the show is none other than the infamous Sam Bankman-Fried. He's not flipping crypto this time. It's all about flipping through his pill organizer and hunting for his beloved Adderall. In this riveting courtroom drama that's more captivating than your favorite binge-worthy series, we have SBF's defense team in a bit of a pickle. It's not about proving innocence or guilt, it's about Adderall, the mythical potion of focus and clarity. Now imagine this. SBF's lawyers, their brows furrowed in worry, sneakily passing tiny orange pills to their client under the table. They're not whispering about evidence or witnesses, but just one more dose, Sam. The real adversary here. It's not the prosecution, but the elusive Bureau of Prisons, the gatekeepers of the magical concentration elixir. Mark Cohen, the legal maestro, has penned a letter to the judge, but it's not about the case itself. It's about addressing the elephant, or should we say the pill bottle, in the courtroom. You see, our dear Sam is not exactly functioning at his crypto genius best. The morning dose of Adderall provided by the Bureau of Prisons is kaput by midday. By the time the jury struts into the courtroom, Sam's probably lost in thought, contemplating the launch of Mooncoin or some other crypto Ponzi. Here's the kicker. 
Sam needs three to four doses a day to keep his mental engines firing. The defense is suggesting an intermission, a courtroom break for a quick Adderall pit stop. They've even got a plan B. Cohen's willing to moonlight as the Adderall fairy as he offers to provide Sam with his essential fix. One thing's for sure. This trial isn't just about financial shenanigans, but also about our protagonist's desperate need for some good old focus enhancers. Will SBF testify? Will he finally get his much-needed Adderall? Stay glued to the Merkle Treehouse for the next thrilling episode of The SBF Showdown, Quest for Concentration. Thank you, Sammy. The defense is still mulling over whether SBF will take the stand in his trial. Perhaps the only way that might happen is if he's hopped up on Adderall. But now, folks, get ready to unwind as we delve into Chapter 6 of Pinto Pete's Block Size War. Chapter 6. Full of Beans I was flown to London to meet Dr. Wright a couple of weeks ago, after an initial email conversation convinced me that there was a very good chance he was the same person I'd communicated with in 2010 and early 2011. After spending time with him, I am convinced beyond a reasonable doubt, Craig Wright is Satoshi. It would be better if Satoshi Nakamoto was the codename for an NSA project or an artificial intelligence sent from the future to advance our primitive money. He is not. He is an imperfect human being just like the rest of us. I am very happy to be able to say I shook his hand and thanked him for giving Bitcoin to the world. Gavin Andreessen, blog post, May 2nd, 2016. FYI, Gavin Andreessen's commit access just got removed. Four team members are concerned that he may have been hacked. Peter Todd, Twitter post, May 2nd, 2016. The audacious claim made by Gavin led to his commit access on the Bitcoin Core software repository being revoked. While he retained the ability to make contributions, the authority to merge updates to the main repository was no longer his. But what if he was right that the Australian Craig S. Wright was Satoshi? I have been staring at my screen for hours, but I cannot summon the words to express the depth of my gratitude to those that have supported the Bitcoin project from its inception. Too many names to list. You have dedicated vast swaths of your time, committed your gifts, sacrificed relationships and REM sleep for years to an open source project that could have come to nothing. And yet still you fought. Be assured, just as you have worked, I have not been idle during these many years. Since those early days, after distancing myself from the public persona that was Satoshi, I have poured every measure of myself into research. I have been silent, but I have not been absent. I have been engaged with an exceptional group and look forward to sharing our remarkable work when they are ready. Satoshi is dead. But this is only the beginning. Craig S. Wright, a.k.a. Fake Toshi. Blog post. May 2nd, 2016. Some say Craig S. Wright got away with words, but I reckon he's just full of beans. See, he came riding into town claiming he's the one and only Satoshi Nakamoto. But I'm here to tell you, it was all a heap of baloney. You see, during this block-size war, old Craig saw himself a chance to wrangle control of Bitcoin, trying to make himself some kind of cult figure. 
and he was a big-time supporter of them larger blocks. He even penned himself a blog post on May 2, 2016, saying it was proof of his Satoshi claims. But when folks took a gander at it, all they saw was a tangle of confusing and irrelevant words, and some screenshots that didn't make heads or tails. There wasn't a single message or signature from Satoshi, and it looked like a good old-fashioned hoax. That blog post, well, it seemed like it was cooked up to either stir up a mess of confusion or to pull the wool over the eyes of folks who didn't know nothing about cryptography trying to pass it off as proof. But here's the twist in the tale. Gavin Andreessen, one of the lead Bitcoin developers, went ahead and vouched for Craig. He claimed he'd seen Craig sign a message using one of Satoshi's well-known private keys. Now, that made a ruckus, let me tell you. The media jumped on the bandwagon, too, with them journalists claiming they'd seen the same so-called proof. Now, you see, Bitcoin journalism was always a bit like a snake in a rabbit hole, and these stories, well, they were just plain lies, spread like wildfire. But as the sun set, it became clear that old Craig was more bluster than Bitcoin creator. Sometimes a spade is just a spade, and this one was downright hogwash. The crucial question that hung in the air was whether the core developers should consider reinstating Gavin's commit access to the main repository. This decision weighed heavily on the minds of those involved in the ongoing block size war, as it had significant implications for the direction of Bitcoin's development and governance. So when the question comes up whether we should make Gavin maintainer again, my answer, and that of many others, is a resounding no. For one, there is just no point, as he wasn't acting as a maintainer for Bitcoin Core anymore in the first place. And in addition to that, many feel that we can be more productive if we separate our ways. Vladimir van der Laan, Core Developer, Blog Post, May 6, 2016 This here whole charade was downright embarrassing for good old Gavin. I mean, with the way Craig had spun that web of supposed proof on his blog, it was harder to swallow than a mouthful of grit in a dust storm. You see, when you took a gander at that so-called proof, it was like trying to make sense of a tumbleweed in the wind. Confusing, confounding, and utterly irrelevant, it made you wonder how, in tarnation, anyone with a clear head could even entertain the notion that Craig Wright was the legendary Satoshi Nakamoto. It was like trying to claim a jackrabbit was a Texas longhorn steer. Didn't make a lick of sense. This entire scandal dealt a significant blow to Gavin's reputation, marking a substantial victory for the smaller blockers. Gavin's actions had inflicted a substantial and self-imposed wound on the larger blocker side, and there was no one else to blame but himself. It was possible that Craig Wright's alignment with the larger blockers had clouded Gavin's judgment, and the smaller blockers couldn't believe their good fortune. Within the smaller block community, there was nearly unanimous consensus that Craig had engaged in fraudulent activities, and most agreed that there was no credible evidence to support his claim of being Satoshi. However, interestingly, the larger blocker side seemed to be divided on this matter, with opinions split down the middle. I think there is enough evidence to think it's more likely than not. Roger Veer on whether or not Craig was Satoshi. Bitcoin.com forum post. May 5th, 2016. Over the next couple of years, Craig Wright found himself welcomed into the fold of the larger blocker community. He became a regular presence at their conferences and a participant in their social gatherings. 
to many of those who favored smaller blocks, Craig's demeanor appeared excessively aggressive, and his understanding of the Bitcoin protocol seemed rather weak, casting him as a classic con man in their eyes. But Craig was a staunch supporter of larger blocks, aligning himself with some of the most radical views in the large block camp. He didn't mince words, referring to Segwit as shit, and even going so far as to declare that non-mining nodes were a mere illusion, insisting that only miners existed. While this brash approach delighted some within the larger block community, it left others concerned about the damage he was causing to their cause. Nevertheless, there seemed to be little they could do to distance themselves from him, as numerous influential figures within the large block camp had embraced his presence. There was more shady business in this whole Craig Wright saga than a snake in a saddlebag. One prime example was when Craig tried to pull a fast one. He started messing with his own blog, and what's worse, he did it years later in 2015 to make it seem like he was writing about cryptocurrency way back in 2008. But let me tell you, a snapshot from 2014, well, it didn't have a lick of that cryptocurrency talk. So what does all this tomfoolery mean? It meant Craig Wright wasn't above a bit of hocus-pocus and trickery trying to paint himself as some early crypto pioneer. Now, this didn't exactly help the large blockers, not one bit. Associating with a fella like that tarnished their reputation and their cause took a heap of damage in the process. You see, the name of the game was convincing and persuading them folks riding the fence, the undecided masses in the middle. That's what the whole block-size war was about. But hitching your wagon to someone like Craig Wright, well, that sent many of them folks scrambling for the small block side. Craig S. Wright undeniably left his mark on the block size war. His actions irreparably damaged the reputation of Gavin Andreessen and provided much needed relief for the small blockers during one of the most trying phases of the conflict. But this block size war was not over by a long shot. Please join us next Wednesday for Chapter 7 of Pinto Pete's Block Size War. You won't want to miss it. In fact, join us every Sunday and Wednesday for the absolute best in Bitcoin mindshare. In the meantime, keep your money hard, your heart soft, and have a little fun sometimes. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the real Horace Morris and his genuine Merkle Treehouse Band. Um, yeah, kind of nervous here. Sorry, uh, this is, uh, Dr. Luther Finch, and, uh, if you don't mind, well, you know, spread the, you know, word about the Merkel uh, treehouse. And well, I guess, thank you.